And their family, what is up? I have an absolute legend here with me tonight. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'm doing the group format this season, but this guy is a group within himself. So that's why it's just Mr. Dave Cohen on tonight, who most of you know as the voice of the Panthers. Um, he's been doing that for 40 years. Um, he started with basketball. He's called virtually every single football game, well, really every single football game. This guy is really needs no introduction. That's why I'm not going to go into much of one. Um, those of you that don't know Dave or have never heard of him through this interview, you're going to get to know him pretty, pretty darn well. So um, we'll go ahead and start with the questions here soon. But um, before we do, Dave, I'll, I'll let you kind of introduce yourself a little bit to the people that may not know you. But again, I, I doubt that's too many people. <laughs> well, you're too kind. Um, and yeah, this is going to be the 40th season following Georgia State basketball. Uh, my 13th with Georgia State football. And, you know, we've always done a select number of Georgia State baseball games over the years. And, you know, it's been a wonderful ride. I got to Georgia State in 1982, right out of high school. Uh, no spring break in between. And I got involved in the radio broadcast at Georgia State. And um, I was really kind of the backup guy when I first got here. Brent Weber, who's still a friend of mine to this day, uh, was uh, the radio voice of the Panthers back in the... Uh, I guess late 70s, early 80s, we became friendly. He kind of took me under his wing and showed me the ropes. And then uh, upon his departure, I took over, never in a million years thinking that I would still be here 40 years later. Um, and I worked full time in radio in Atlanta for about, I don't know, 12, 13 years. And, uh, but all the while, uh, still maintaining my connection and uh, my employment with Georgia State with regards to uh, broadcasting games. And, uh, so I've seen the program, you know, rise from what it was in 1982, where it literally existed in five little offices on the first floor of the Georgia State Sports Arena uh, with mainly basketball and baseball and a few other sports to where it is now, um, which is, you know, again, a team that's, uh, you know, we would say one of the top programs in the Sunbelt Conference, which is now one of the top group of five programs. Never in a million years back in the day did we think we would see football. And then I think of that sometimes when I'm out at, you know, whether it's game night or whether I'm at practice and I'm sitting at Center Park Credit Union Stadium and it's like, wow, whoever in a million years would think that Georgia State athletically would be where we are today. And, you know, back in June, I, I got to take a tour and do a, do a, a video of, of um, the new Convocation Center. And I'm like, you know, I've been in that, Georgia State Sports Arena since the spring of 1982. It's the only arena that I've that we've ever known for Georgia State. And to see the Convocation Center, it's like, wow. So it, it's been a great ride. I'm, I'm, I am a Georgia State alum. I graduated in 94. So as I tell people, it's not just a job. I mean, I do have an emotional connection to the program. Um, and having seen where it was when I got there to, to where it is today is is really quite amazing to be honest with you in the, oh, yeah. over the 40, over the 39 years, this is the 40th for me. Oh yeah. No, I think uh, your description of it is perfect. The literally existed. I like, I, I almost want to turn that into a t-shirt, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, like you said, we went from literally existing to being a, a top program in a conference that, you know, is on its on, very well on its way. And in my mind, pretty much already the top, group of five conference out there. So um, to see that kind of growth over 40 years, which, you know, 
to a, a younger person may sound like that's a, such a long time, but 40 years in the grand scheme of things is not a long time to see that kind of growth out of a, of a sports program like that, especially the football team. We'll kind of get on that a little bit later, the, the growth that the football team has seen in such a short time. But um, so, you know, that, that was kind of, kind of the first question was, you know, how did that, how did that growth look like? You know, did you, did you ever expect when you first started calling games at that sports arena that one day you'd be calling games at an arena like the Convocation Center, you know, in any, any, any time? Did, was that, was that any thought that ever crossed your mind? <laughs> You know, I knew somewhere down the line Georgia State was going to have to build a new facility for men's and women's basketball. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the sports arena, which I don't want to take all of the credit, but on the outside of that building, it used to say physical education complex. And I remember telling our athletic director at the time, nicely, it just doesn't sound very big time or professional for me to say hi again, everyone tonight from the Georgia state physical education complex, Panther basketball is on the radio. So I said, I'm going to start calling it the Georgia state sports arena. It flows. It gives you for anybody who's never been in the building. It gives them a visual of an arena as opposed to a third floor gymnasium. You've been in it. You know what I'm talking about. Right, right. You know, I didn't even realize until, I don't know, a year or two later, one day I was walking across the plaza from Urban Life. They went up there and they took down physical education complex and they put sports arena up there. Now, I don't know if they did that just because of what I told our AD, but it, I thought it was kind of cool that they did change the name. But, you know, when right. I first got to Georgia State, that building was the recreation building mm -hmm. on the second floor where Jonas Hayes' office is now and uh, women's basketball is now that was all an area where you would show your student ID to check out a basketball and a towel. If you were going to go swimming, like, you know, where the practice facility is now in the building that's right at the corner of Decatur and Piedmont, uh -huh. that used to be the natatorium. We had a diving, we, you know, George state had swimming and diving team. When I first got there, mm -hmm. I actually swam in that pool a few times during free <laughs> swim back in 1982, 83. Um, it's now the Georgia state basketball practice facility. And, you know, they eventually closed it. It had asbestos. And, um, so Georgia state actually was almost like the wicked stepsister, uh, in its own building because it was, right. a, the building was run by recreation basketball mm -hmm. and athletics had a little suite of five offices on the first floor. And that's where the entire athletic department existed when I first got there. Matter of fact, Lefty Drizel's first office in the sports arena was the largest of the five offices that when I first got there, our, our athletic director at the time had his office in there. So eventually they built new offices when Lefty and his staff got there. Eventually, recreation built the new recreation building that, you know, on Piedmont mm -hmm. and athletics took over for the most part, the operation of the rec building and turned it into, as I named it, the Georgia state sports mm -hmm. arena. Um, again, I'm not taking total credit. I just felt it sounded better on the radio, but I knew eventually there's no way when you look at our facilities. And one thing I've always said openly is our biggest challenge has been facilities. If we ever wanted to move above and beyond the old Transamerica athletic conference or the Atlantic sun, or even the colonial athletic association, that we were going to have to improve all of our facilities. Now, 
some of it happened in kind of a happenstance way because nobody knew the Braves were going to up and leave Turner Field right. and bolt for true and build Truist Park. I mean, what a blessing for Georgia State. Otherwise, as I throw out there as a rhetorical question, where would we be playing football? Seriously, yeah. You know, and now that we that deal went down and we got the property, we're able to build the new convocation center, which is a beautiful facility, as you know. Right. We're going to eventually build a baseball softball complex. So what was once one of our biggest challenges? Because where do you find land downtown Atlanta to build these facilities? Right. Now, something like the Braves bolting in the cover of darkness to Truist Park. Right. How was that ever going to happen? We were so lucky in our own way that that happened. But in order to compete anywhere above and beyond where we were all those years, throughout the 80s, throughout the 90s, throughout the early early 2000s, you, we had eventually we we're going to have to build a new facility, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. because you look around even in the Sun Belt, there's an arms race in the Sun Belt right now in football, baseball and basketball facility, you know, mm-hmm. competition with what you see around the rest of the league. The Convocation Center will put us right up there with the best in the Sun Belt. I think Center Park Stadium does that already. As you know, Center Park Stadium will always be a work in progress, right? Because, right. Because of its history, and eventually, when baseball and softball get that complex built on the old Fulton County Stadium site, I think uh, you know Georgia State will be right where it belongs with regards to athletic facilities and and being on par, and even better in some instances, being able to compete at least in the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that baseball and softball facility looks gorgeous, especially with the skyline in the background and everything. Convocation Center, like you said, it's, it's right up there at the top of the conference. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's something that if you've uh, been, been more told me not to, but I unfortunately pay attention to those Twitter trolls every now and then, and that's something they really hound Georgia State for is some of the facilities that we uh, have. And it's something that in the past, you know, there wasn't much of a defense, as you've kind of highlighted. You know, it was, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, you are right. This this does look like a high school gym or whatever it is. Right now, you can boast, hey, we have the success and the success brings these nicer facilities. And now, you know, what 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 are you really going to hound us for? So, um, well, the difference there is, too, if you look around the, uh, the even the Sunbelt Conference, we're the largest market university. Uh-huh. As, as I said, it's it's not easy to find available and affordable land in the middle of Atlanta, Georgia, to build athletic facilities. Right. We're not we're not Troy, Alabama. We're not Mobile. We're not Statesboro. We're not Monroe, Louisiana or Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, yeah. I mean, just go through the entire Sunbelt, Conway, South Carolina, Boone, yeah, Harrisonburg, Dome. Virginia. Cajun Dome can fit like 4,000 people in it or something. It's in this insane number and they never sell it out, but it's because they have so much land space that of course they would, you know, build this incredibly impressive, you know, basketball arena. So the the thing about the Cajun Dome is the Cajun Dome, if my memory serves me correct, is not owned by the University of Louisiana. Oh, okay. It's operated by the University of Louisiana. But the Cajun Dome to Lafayette is what State Farm Arena is to Atlanta. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. That makes that makes more sense. And it's hosting concerts. It's hosting monster truck shows. Anything that comes through Lafayette that needs an arena. Right. That's where it goes. But I believe that the rate that Louisiana op, it, it, it operates or co-operates the building. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so yeah, this uh, kind of 
segues into the next question. This is just a little quick one because I just was a little curious and I know you'd be able to give us good insight. Um, so what other schools have like the nicest press boxes or at least the most enjoyable to go call a game at or, you know, what, what, whatever it may be? What, what's, what's the best experience when you're going on the road? Well, you know, when the Sun Belt, of course, anytime you play a power five, yeah. you kind of know what to expect. I'm sure it's going to be nice at South Carolina. Uh, the view out of the press box where or the visiting radio booth at Auburn last year was not great. I was forewarned about that, mm. um, but still very, very nice facility. But mm. the power fives that we've played at, whether it's been Camp Randall at Wisconsin, uh, University of Oregon, University of Washington, you know, I can still remember looking out the radio booth at the University of Washington and you had water to your right. The bay right. was right out to the right and people literally would, the ones that could afford it, would boat mm -hmm. into the stadium. They would come and dock their boat and walk, walk into the stadium. So that was a really picturesque, you know, scenic view out our radio booth, you know, Boone, North Carolina, they've got, they've done a really nice job up there at Appalachian state um, with regards to the visiting radio booth and the press box up there, you know, across the board, uh, there are some that are a little older, uh, mm -hmm. like Louisiana, Louisiana Monroe, um, you know, they're nice but they're not as nice as some of the newer facilities. Uh, I have, right, right, right. I know South Alabama's got the brand new uh, football stadium. Um, I don't can't remember. I don't think I've been in there yet because of COVID. Uh, we did that game broadcast remote uh, the right, last time right. we played down there in Mobile. But, um, you know, again, you can't go wrong at most of the power fives. Yeah. Um, they're all very spacious, all very nice, and they're getting better. As I said, everybody is making improvements in their facilities uh, across the landscape in college athletics, the Sun Belt included. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I uh, could have could have honestly guessed that the Power Fives, you know, have the nice facilities. Obviously, those stadiums are huge and just have plenty of amenities and things like that. But the 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 you saying Boone wasn't wasn't too shocking either. I could imagine the view can be kind of kind of beautiful depending on what time of year you're going up there. Um, especially this year, I think we're going, I think it's mid October. So it should, should be pretty, pretty beautiful up yeah. there at the time. So that's the one when you're up there. Yeah. I've been up there. I mean, back under Nick Arbuckle when he was quarterback, I remember going up there and we played in a driving snowstorm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. The final which, which is was cool, ugly. but you know, not, not as like beautiful of a scene. Yeah. yeah. Right. Now a great view was uh, when we were out in Arizona, what was it? two, three, I mean, three years ago for the uh, Arizona Bowl, the Nova uh -huh. Home Loans Arizona Bowl. That was a great view as well out the uh, out of our radio booth. All I right. meant to say in basketball, I've been to some pretty cool places over the years, and I'm trying to remember back over 40 years. Um, you know, I can remember doing a game uh, at the pit in New Mexico when Lefty Drizel was oh, coaching, nice. which nice. was really kind of cool because I had seen uh, the final four, that's where NC State on the Lorenzo Charles dunk beat Houston, you know, uh -huh. on that exciting finish. So that was kind of cool to be at the pit. Obviously, I'm not a Duke fan, and I missed our first trip to Duke. R.J. Hunter's freshman year, we played the Blue Devils at Cameron, but I was with football at Maine for Bill Curry's last game as head coach. So I had to send another guy to do that game. So a few couple of – well, now it's been uh, – but two, three years ago, the last time we played at Duke, I got to go to Cameron Indoor Stadium. And nice. whether or not you're a Duke fan, it's still a historic building. Right, right, and right. So I thought it was it was a definitely a checkbox for me 
with regards to arenas. The one game that I look back at that I wish that I had gone to my very, very, very first year at Georgia State when I had I was part of the broadcast, but I did not travel to every game. Georgia State played North Carolina when Michael Jordan was there at the old Carmichael Auditorium. We lost by 40, 95, (laughs) 55. But I wish in hindsight, I wish that I had been able to make that game. The guys brought me back a media guide, which I still have, but it's one of those I wish that I had been able to make that trip. Yeah, yeah. And witness that. that. That's too cool. I had no idea that they, they played uh, UNC when Jordan was there. That's that's too cool. Yep. Um, yeah, losing by 42 sounds, sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> that was back in the day. Right, 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 right. Um, cool, cool. Um, so, yeah, so as someone who's kind of been there for pretty much all of it and all of them, when you think of Georgia State sports – who is the one athlete of any era, any sport? And I guess it can be, you know, a handful. But what? Who, who's the one athlete that you you think of when you think of Georgia State sports? And, and for that matter, it could be a coach as well. But who's who's the person that that you think of when when you're 40 years of being a Georgia State's, you know, uh, sports family member? Uh, who who do you, who do you think of? Can I only mention one person? Uh, that's, that's what I'm saying. You can you can certainly mention, you know, m- multiple for sure. OK. Yeah. You know, as I think back when it was mainly when Georgia State was a basketball school, the first significant hire. And I did a Panther Insider podcast with him last year at his house, which was kind of cool, uh, was Bob Reinhardt. Uh, you know, fans, younger fans may not remember Bob. But Bob was really the first significant hire, and he led Georgia State to that first NCAA tournament in 1991 when they played Arkansas in the old Omni. The Omni sat where State Farm Arena sits now. And then you could fast forward uh, to Lefty Drizel, because whereas Bob gave us credibility in the city of Atlanta, Bob had, had won three state titles at Decatur High School as the head coach. Was, a, was an assistant to Mike Fertello and the Atlanta Hawks for two years wow. and then decided he wanted to become a head coach again. And he accepted the second time around our athletic director's offer to coach at Georgia State. So he gave us instant credibility in the city. Lefty Drizel gave us our first credibility with what I'll term nationally from a basketball standpoint. And Lefty did what a lot of people told me and others that it could never be done was that you can't win at Georgia state with the sports arena being like it is with the budget being like it is so on and so forth. And lefty Mm -hmm. came in and had, he was here for five seasons in 10 games and he had five winning seasons. He still has the best overall season in the history of the program, 29 and five in 2000, 2001, NCAA tournament in Boise, Idaho, and a win over the Wisconsin Badgers in that first NCAA game. And that was a Wisconsin team that had been in the final four the year before. Fast forward to Ron Hunter. The thing about Hunter is that he had only been at IUPUI prior to Georgia State, and he was there from set for 17 years and helped usher them into a Division I program. I didn't know much about him when I was told we were hiring him. As I reminded him many times in the first interview we ever did, he told me he was going to change the culture of Georgia State basketball. And by golly, he changed the culture of Georgia State basketball that still resonates with us today and that 
younger fans like you even can see. And it wasn't like that back in the early days. With regards to football, Bill Curry needs no introduction. He gave football an immediate face of the program. Even though after the first year we struggled, um, Trent Miles was great to me. And I'll always credit Trent Miles for really sacrificing his win-loss record in order to usher Georgia State football from what Bill Curry started to what Sean Elliott inherited. Mm -hmm. But Trent Miles will always be remembered, as Bob Reinhardt is for basketball, taking us to that first NCAA tournament. Trent Miles led Georgia State down to Statesboro, giving Georgia Southern a 34-7 loss in the final game of the regular season to secure that AutoNation Cure Bowl bid and the first bowl appearance in the history of Georgia State football. Granted, we did lose to San Jose State, but it was a fantastic experience. There are so many athletes, and by the way, kudos to Sean Elliott, because he's, oh, yeah. he's been a fantastic hire in where, I mean, he inherited a program that was three and nine, and he has, granted, led us to an eight-win season last year, but back-to-back bowl wins, and it's so much harder and a longer process to build up a football program right. with 85 scholarships and over a hundred athletes. And it's, and basketball's 12, 13 guys. It's a little easier to, to, to turn around a basketball program than to turn around football. But I think coach Elliott's done a fantastic job uh, in his five years uh, with what he's been able to do when it comes down to players, God, I go. I could start with Tony Graham, who hit the game-winning shot at Stokely Arena in Knoxville in 1984 to beat the Tennessee Vols for the program's first win over a Power Five. Fast forward all the way to R.J. Hunter and his win over Baylor down at the Coliseum in Jacksonville. And then Albert Wilson returning the kick 96, 97 yards at Alabama to score the only touchdown in a 63-7 loss. Albert was really our first great player in Georgia State football history. Uh-huh. But then there is, you know, again, so many so many guys, it's hard to pick out, you know, a handful of guys. I mean, that, right, 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 that, right. that's what makes the Georgia State Athletics Hall of Fame such a tough choice during discussions every year because we have had a lot of outstanding student-athletes uh, over the years, and some have risen to levels like an R.J. Hunter, uh, for as a recent example, um, that you're lucky—not you personally—we're lucky to be around and to witness right. what they're able to accomplish. I think about R.J. He was only with us for three years. Mm-hmm. What do his numbers look like if he stays for that senior season? And is not—I mean, I don't, I don't begrudge him. If the Boston Celtics drafted me, I'd go too. <laughs> right. But, you know, RJ was one of those great, great players that, you know, you just don't have an opportunity to be around and see every day. And and, and for us, three years. And there's others that I'm not thinking of right now. We've had a lot of great players in basketball over the years. Shenard Long, who to me was one of the best players to ever play in the program up until RJ arrived. Um you know, Kevin Morris was the cornerstone of what Lefty built in those five years. Daryl Cooper. Um, again, there's 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 others. I'm, you know, I we'd we'd be here an hour if I had to name. Right, them. right, right. No, and that's uh, you know, I I was expecting you to have a a, a ton of people to to list, and um, so, some of those guys I might have to go back and look at some YouTube highlights, and and for the older guys like that, um, 
Who who was the the guy that hit the game winner against Tennessee? Tony Graham. Tony Graham. Yeah, no, I'm definitely yep. definitely gonna go look that one up for sure. Um, and, and what I mentioned was just basketball and football. We didn't right, even touch exactly. on baseball or any of the other sports. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, there's a uh, there's uh, it's I I think for someone like myself, you you fail to realize how deep the history of sports at Georgia State actually is. So. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's always, always good to hear. Um, so Dave, I will, uh, I'll get you out on this one. Um, but I feel like we got to, especially with what week it is, um, obviously this, this weekend is week one of college football. We're, we're going up to Columbia to face the, face the Gamecocks. I'll be there. Hopefully I'll, I'll see you while we're up there. Um, but, uh, I just want you as someone who, has called every single game, has been here for, you know, the, the, obviously the many years leading up to it. Can you kind of talk about and explain what the process looked like and how it felt the years leading up to us getting the football program and then just kind of, you know, how it looked after that? Because, um, you know, I think uh, for someone like myself, when I first got into sports, Georgia State didn't have a football team, obviously. So now that we're a football team that, you know, uh, according to a lot of, re, you know, re, reputable, uh, respectable sources are saying that, you know, Georgia State could be a dark horse Sunbelt champion this year. So that, that, that growth is pretty quickly. So, um, so could you kind of, you know, highlight and talk about what, what that was, you know, behind the scenes, what, 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 it, what it felt like? Yeah, you know, for years it was known as the F word on campus. <laughs> and we, it really was not to be brought up around – our then president in athletic board meetings. And I was on, I was in some of those meetings, even though I was never a, a massive donor. Um, and again, as I've mentioned to you uh, off air, I, one of those folks that was not sure we would ever see football at Georgia state. I mean, when I got there again, it was about 26, I mean, I was about, I'd say it was about 30,000 students, all commuter. There was no on-campus uh, housing. And you know, the thought process was, well, let's try to become a good basketball school uh, and be consistent at that, which we, we had not been able to do uh, from a consistency standpoint. And on his way out, um, and, you know, we had, we had started, and, and Ben was involved with this with regards to club football, but club football was not NCAA sanctioned at Georgia State. It was run under uh, the umbrella of recreation. But shortly before he retired, uh, then president, Dr. Carl Patton gave the okay to do a study. Is football feasible at Georgia state? Uh, from a student standpoint, from a financial standpoint, from a facility standpoint, is this something that realistically we should be looking to do? And somewhere along the line, I think Georgia state figured it out that, you know, all those years of being a commuter school were fine and dandy, but they needed to change with the times in order to attract a different kind of student. And in the South, you got to play college football. And they knew they also needed to start venturing into the on-campus housing business, Mm -hmm. which as you know, they have completely jumped into the deep end of the pool. And there's now, I don't know, somewhere between eight and 10,000 students, I think living on campus. Yeah. 
So after that study was completed and Dan Reeves, the former Atlanta Falcon head coach and former NFL player, he was involved in that study and was great to work with when he was involved at Georgia State. They made the decision to go ahead with it. And, uh, you know, uh, it had to go before the student athletic, uh, the student, the students in order to vote on whether or not they would approve the student athletic fee to increase in order to help fund football. And they, they made the decision to do that. And uh, next thing you know, we're hiring Bill Curry and, you know, it's announced we're going to play in the Georgia Dome. And uh, it, it, it once the ball started rolling, on one hand, I can remember we held a, pre, uh, a media event and a, and a campus event in the student center where Mark Becker, Bill Curry, and our athletic director at the time, Cheryl Levick, they had a big red button on the stage, and I emceed that event. And when they pushed down on the button, it kicked off. We're starting football. We're going to play our opener in 800 days on September the 2nd, 2010, against Shorter University. 800 days. It felt like a long time when that <laughs> clock started, but that clock tended to move quickly. And all of a sudden, we're in the Georgia Dome on the night of September 2, 2010. There was over 30,000 people. I know you've seen the photo. You may oh, have yeah. seen some of the video. You know, that superseded being a Georgia State event. That became a City of Atlanta athletic yeah. event because everybody wanted to be a part and to witness the first Georgia State football game. And from there, it just has snowballed quickly. I mean, it, it's crazy to say we're going into our 13th season. We've played at Alabama twice. We almost beat Auburn. We beat Tennessee. We, we almost beat Wisconsin. We've been to Oregon. We've been to, I mean, we've been to Washington. We've been to West Virginia. We've been to Penn State. A lot has happened in a very short amount of time for Georgia State football. And even in just, you know, granted, that's 12 years going into 13. The first three years, we were FCS, uh -huh. FCS independent years one and two, FCS and the Colonial Athletic Association for one year, year three. And year four, we're transitioning to the Sun Belt. And by the way, for your listeners, Georgia State was an original member of the Sun Belt Conference back in the mid 70s when it was a basketball only league. Wow. I did not and know then that. We, yep. We were in it for about five years or six years. And then we got out of that league and we became independent. And then they joined the Transamerica Athletic Conference, which became the Atlantic Sun. But Georgia State mm -hmm. returned to the Sun Belt. Georgia State was an original among the founding member schools that Pretty came up with cool. the Sun Belt Conference. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So football has just to sit there and watch it now and to win a bowl game or win back-to-back -back bowl games. And I think back to those meetings where I was told, don't mention football. They don't want to hear anything about football. It's like, man, where did this, it's, it's like lightning speed in between now, even though at times it felt like it moved kind of slowly. Georgia state is light years athletically ahead of where it was even just 15 years ago. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, the, the football, um, you know, it's something that when I first kind of got into it, I have to shamefully admit it was after we beat Tennessee. And because before that, like, you know, I mean, I checked the score and, you know, um, there were a couple of years, the, the year with Trent Miles where we did go to the bowl game, you know, like there, there, there were, there were, you know, times where it seemed like Georgia State might have a good year, but Kind of like you said with the basketball, the consistency just wasn't really there. Um, 
And now with Sean Elliott, you know, I know we have a tough schedule this year, just like every year, but iron sharpens iron. And, you know, I, I actually do predict that we'll break our record that we broke last year and win nine games this year. Um, I think, I think this team, um, you know, uh, I've already done, I did a group of the offensive players for the first episode of the season, a group of the defensive players, the second, second episode. And it was the same rhetoric from all of them of that they, they know what kind of talent they have on their roster and what they can accomplish. And it's, you know, not taking anything away from the guys that suited up, you know, September 10th, 2010, but to see the program go from that to what it is today in the short amount of time it did. I, I don't, I just, I, I just make, it just makes me, you know, just giddy. I'm just excited because it's, the future, the future is very bright, so we all need to get some shades. So, yeah, I just always try to remember and remind people that we are where we are because of the people that and the players and the coaches that did come before us. Right, exactly, exactly. And the athletic directors that came before us. I mean, we are where we are because everything has been compounded. We didn't all of a sudden just win back-to-back bowl games. Right, exactly, exactly. So, this, this is. I, as the old timer in the group, I do always just try to remind everybody nicely. We are where we are, which is great. Mm-hmm. But Trent Miles made a contribution. Bill Curry made a contribution. Everybody, all the assistants of the past made contributions. Right. That's true across the board in basketball and all of our sports. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. No, it's uh, those guys, you know, paved the ground, ground way for people to come in. And, um, you know, as, as some, some young people say, those people uh, walked so these people could run, you know, so right. – um, so it's, it's, it's a great feeling and, um, I've said it on past episodes, so I'll say it again. I really think, uh, we're going to have to hide our, our Royal blue on, on Saturday evening around, you know, 10 45, 11 o'clock. Cause those South Carolina fans are going to be too happy with us. Cause I, I, I do predict our guys coming away with a win. Um, but cool. Thank you so much for joining Dave. It was an absolute honor to have you on. I knew I was going to learn so much listening to you and just all the, all the knowledge and history you have. So um, huge honor to have you on. Um, I know my listeners are going to love it. Uh, like I said, I'd love to love to see you this weekend if possible while we're all up in Columbia, but um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's a pleasure and I'm looking forward to hearing you continue to call all of our, all of our, all of our games, man. I, I appreciate you coming on. Well, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I I thank you for the kind words. It's been great. As I mentioned, I'm an alum, so it's not just a job. It's right. an emotional attachment. And, uh, yeah, stop by the visiting radio booth at uh, Williams-Brice. I've never, I've done basketball and I've done baseball at South Carolina. I've never done football. And I've heard Williams-Brice on a Saturday night, hopefully it's great weather, is a fantastic, one of the better experiences in college football. So like you and our fans, I'm looking forward to – being over there and experiencing it and then hoping that we come out and play well and get out of Columbia and get back on I-20 heading east with a W in our back pocket. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For the same where it's a great experience. So hopefully, hopefully it ends as a great experience for us too. So, um, but thank you again, Dave. Um, and uh, like I said, I'll, I'll definitely stop by Saturday and we'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch. All right. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you, Dave. Have a good night. You too. Right now.